Hello everyone. Thank you for joining me around the fireside tonight. My name is Joe, and I'm here to tell you a story. A story of war and marriage. A story about great battles at land and at sea. A story about culture and kingship. A story about the unification of a nation. Presenting part two of Viking Tales, written by Jenny Hall. A bit of an overdue part two, this one. It's taken quite a while to get this one up and live. I hope it's worth the wait. Part three will be due out soon. Thank you all once again for everything. I'm so grateful for all your reviews and your messages and your donations. Should you wish to support Tales by the Fireside, please feel free to head to talesbythefireside.com forward slash support or tell your friends or leave a review. Everything you do really does mean the world. Now please, get comfortable, let go of the daylight and join me for our story. Viking Tales Part 2 by Jenny Hall Harold's Battle Now, King Halfdan had many foes. When he was alive, they were afraid to make war upon him, for he was a mighty warrior. But when Harold became king, they said, He is but a lad. We will fight with him and take his land. So they began to make ready. King Harold heard of this, and he laughed and said, Good, foe's fear is thirsty, and my legs are stiff with much sitting. He called three men to him. To one he gave an arrow, saying, Run and carry this arrow north. Give it into the hands of the master of the next farm, and say that all men are to meet here within two weeks from this day. They must come ready for war and mounted on horses. Say also that if a man does not obey this call, or if he receives this arrow and does not carry it on to his next neighbour, he shall be outlawed from this country and his land shall be taken from him. He gave arrows to the other two men and told them to run south and east with the same message. So, all through King Harold's country, men were soon busy mending helmets and polishing swords and making shields. There was blazing of forges and clanging of anvils all through the land. On the day set, the fields about King Harold's house were full of men and horses. After breakfast a horn blew, every man snatched his weapons and jumped upon his horse. Men of the same neighbourhood stood together, and their chief led them. They waited for the starting horn. This did not look like our army. There were no uniforms. Some men wore helmets, some did not. Some wore coats of mail, but others wore only their jackets and tights of brightly coloured wool. But at each man's left side hung a great shield. Over his right shoulder went his sword belt and held his long sword under his left hand. Above most men's heads shone the points of their tall spears. Some men carried axes in their belts. Some carried bows and arrows. Many 
had ram's horns hanging from their necks. King Harold rode at the front of his army with his standard bearer beside him. Chain armour covered the king's body. A red cloak was thrown over his shoulders. On his head was a gold helmet with a dragon standing up from it. He carried a round shield on his left arm. The king had made that shield himself. It was of brass. The rivets were of silver with strangely shaped heads. On the back of Harold's horse was a red cloth trimmed with the fur of ermine. King Harold looked up at his standard and laughed aloud. Oh, war lover, he cried, you and I ride out on a happy journey. A horn blew again and the army started. The men shouted as they went and blew their ram's horns. Now we shall taste something better than even King Harold's ale, shouted one. Another rose in his stirrups and sniffed the air. Ah, I smell a battle, he cried. It is sweeter than those strange waters of Arabia. So the army went merrily through the land. They carried no tents. They had no provision wagons. The sky is a good enough tent for a soldier, said the Norseman. Why carry provisions when they lie in the farms beside you? After two days, King Harold saw another army on the hills. Thorstein, he shouted, up with the white shield and go tell King Haki to choose his battlefield. We will wait but an hour. I am eager for the frolic. So Thorstein raised a white shield on his spear as a sign that he came on an errand of peace. He rode near King Haki, but he could not wait until he came close before he shouted out his message and then turned and rode back. Tell your boy king that we will not hang back, Haki called after Thorstein. King Harold's men waited on the hillside and watched the other army across the valley. They saw King Haki point and saw twenty men ride off as he pointed. They stopped in a patch of hazel and hewed with their axes. They are getting the hazels, said Thorstein. Orden, said King Harold to a man near him. Stay close to my standard all day. You must see the best of the fight. I want to hear a song about it after it's all over. This Auden was the skald who sang at the drinking of King Halfdan's funeral ale. King Haki's men rode down into the valley. They drove down stakes all about a great field. They tied the hazel twigs to the stakes in a string, but they left an open space toward King Harold's army and one toward King Haki's. Then a man raised a white shield and galloped toward King Harold. We are ready, he shouted. At the same time, King Haki raised a red shield. King Harold's men put their shields before their mouths and shouted into them. It made a great roaring war cry. Up with the war shield, shouted King Harold. Horns blow. There was a blowing of horns on both sides. The two armies galloped down into the field and ran together. The fight had begun. All that day long, swords were flashing, spears flying, men shouting, men falling from their horses, swords clashing against shields. Victory flashes from that dragon, Harold's men said, pointing to the king's helmet. No one stands before it. And surely, before night came, King Haki fell dead under foe's fear. 
When he fell, a great shout went up from his warriors, and they turned and fled. King Harold's men chased them far, but during the night came back to camp. Many brought swords and helmets and bracelets or silver-trimmed saddles and bridles with them. Here is what we got from the foe, they said. The next morning, King Harold spoke to his men. Let us go about and find our dead. So they went over all the battlefield. They put every man on his shield and carried him and laid him on a hilltop. They hung his sword over his shoulder and laid his spear by his side. So they laid all the dead together there on the hilltop. Then King Harold said, looking about, This is a good place to lie. It looks far over the country. The sound of the sea reaches it. The wind sweeps here. It is a good grave for Norsemen and Vikings. But it is a long road and a rough road to Valhalla that these men must travel. Let the nearest kinsman of each man come and tie on his hell shoes. Tie them fast, for they will need them much on that hard road. So friends tied shoes on the dead men's feet. Then King Harold said, Now let us make the mound. Every man set to work with what tools he had, and heaped earth over the dead until a great mound stood up. They piled stones on the top. On one of those stones, King Harold made runes telling how these men had died. After that was done, King Harold said, Now set up the pole, Thorstein. Let every man bring to that pole all that he took from the foe. So they did, and there was a great hill of things around it. Harold divided it into piles. This pile we will give to Thor in thanks for the victory, he said. This pile is mine because I am king. Here are the piles for the chiefs, and these things will go to the other men of the army. So every man went away from that battle richer than he was before, and Thor looked down from Valhalla upon his full temple and was pleased. The next morning, King Harold led his army back. But on the way, he met other foes and had many battles, and did not lose one. The kings either died in battle or ran away, and Harold had their lands. He has kept his vow, men said, and ground his father's foes under his heel. So King Harold sat in peace for a while. Guider's saucy message. Now, Harold heard men talk of Guider, the daughter of King Eric. She is very beautiful, they said, but she is very proud too. She can both read and make runes. No other woman in the world knows so much about herbs as she does. She can cure any sickness, and she is proud of all this. Now when King Harold heard that, he thought to himself, Fair and proud. I like them both. I will have her for my wife. So he called his uncle, Guthorm, and said, Take rich gifts and go to Gaida's foster father and tell him that I will marry Gaida. So Guthorm and his men came to that house, and he told the king's message to the foster father. Gaida was standing near, weaving a rich cloak. She heard the speech. She came up and said, holding her head high and curling her lip, I will not waste myself on a king of so few people. Norway is a strange country. There is a little king here and a little king there, hundreds of them scattered about. Now in Denmark... There is but one great king over the whole land, 
and so it is in Sweden. Is no one brave enough to make all of Norway his own? She laughed a scornful laugh and walked away. The men stood with open mouths and stared after her. Could it be that she had sent that saucy message to King Harold? They looked at her foster father. He was chuckling in his beard and said nothing to them. They started out of the house in anger. When they were at the door, Guida came up to them and said, Give this message to your King Harold for me. I will not be his wife unless he puts all of Norway under him for my sake. So Guthorm and his men rode homeward across the country. They did not talk. They were all thinking. At last, one said, How shall we give this message to the king? I've been thinking of that, Guthorm said. His anger is no little thing. It was late when they rode into the king's yard, for they had ridden slowly, trying to make some plan for softening the message, but they had thought of none. I see light through the wind's eyes of the feast hall, one said. Yes, the king keeps feast, Guthorm said. We must give our message before all his guests. So they went in with very heavy hearts. There sat King Harold in the high seat. The benches on both sides were full of men. The tables had been taken out, and the mead horns were going round. Aho! cried King Harold. Our messengers! What news? Then Guthorm said, This guider is a bold and saucy girl, King Harold. My tongue refuses to give her message. The king stamped his foot. Out with it, he cried. What does it say? She says that she will not marry so little a king, Guthorm answered. Harold jumped to his feet. His face flushed red. Guthorm stretched out his hand. They are not my words, O king. They are the words of a silly girl. Is there any more? The king shouted. Go on. She said, There is one king in Denmark and one king in Sweden. Is there no man brave enough to make himself king of all Norway? Tell King Harold that I will not marry him unless he puts all of Norway under him for my sake. The guests sat speechless, staring at Guthorm. All at once, the king broke into a roar of laughter. By the hammer of Thor, he cried, that is a good message. I thank you, Guida. Did you hear it, friends? King of all Norway. Why, we are all stupids. Why did we not think of that? Then he raised his horn high. Now hear my vow. I say that I will not cut my hair or comb it until I am king of all Norway. That I will be, or I will die. Then he drank of the horn of mead, and while he drank it, all the men in the hall stood up and waved their swords and shouted and shouted. That old hall in all its two hundred years of feasts had not heard such a noise before. Ah, oh, Harold, Guthorn cried, surely Thor in Valhalla smiled when he heard that vow. The men sat all night talking of that wonderful vow. On the very next day, King Harold sent out his war arrows. Soon, a great army was gathered. They marched through the country north and south and east and west, burning houses and fighting battles as they went. People fled before them, some to their own kings, some inland to the deep woods and hid there, and some went before King Harold and said, We will be your men. Then take the oath and I will be friends with you, he said. The men took off their swords and laid them down and came one by one and knelt before the king. They put their heads between his knees and said, From this day, Harold Haftenson, I am your man. 
I will serve you in war. For my land I will pay you taxes. I will be faithful to you as my king. Then Harold said, I am your king, and I will be faithful to you. Many kings took that oath, and thousands of common men. Of all the battles that Harold fought, he did not lose one. Now for a long time, the king's hair and beard had not been combed or cut. They stood out around his head in a great bushy mat of yellow. At a feast one day, when the jokes were going around, Harold's uncle said, Harold, I will give you a new name. After this, you will be called Harold Shockhead. As my name and gift, I give you this drinking horn. It is a good name, laughed all the men. After that, all people called him Harold Shockhead. During these wars, whenever King Harold got a country for his own, this is what he did. He said, All the marshland and all the woodland where no people live is mine. For his farm, every man shall pay me taxes. Over every country, he put some brave, wise man and called him Earl. And he said to the earls, You shall collect the taxes and pay them to me, but some you shall keep for yourselves. You shall punish any man who steals or murders or does any wicked things. When your people are in trouble, they shall come to you, and you shall set the thing right. You must keep the peace in the land. I will not have my people troubled with robber Vikings. The earls did all these things as best they could, for they were good, strong men. The farmers were happy, and they said, We can work on our farms with peace now. Before King Harold came, something was always wrong. The Vikings would come and steal our gold and our grain and burn our houses or the king would call us to war. Those little kings are always fighting. It is better under King Harold. But the chiefs, who liked to fight and go a Viking, hated King Harold and his new ways. One of these chiefs was Solfi. He was a king's son. Harold had killed his father in battle, and Solfi had been in that battle. At the end of it, he fled away with 200 men and got into ships. We will make that shockhead smart, he said. So they harried the coast of King Harold's country. They filled up their ships with gold. They ate other men's meals. They burned farmhouses behind them. The people cried out to the earls for help. So the earls had out their ships all the time trying to catch Solfi, But he was too clever for them. In the spring, he went to a certain king, Ordbjorn, and said to him, Now, there are two things that we can do. We can become this shockhead Harold's thralls. We can kneel before him and put our heads between his knees. Or else we can fight. My father thought it better to die in battle than to be any man's thrall. How is it? Will you join with my cousin Arnvid and me against this young shockhead? Yes, I will do it, said the king. The Sea Fight Many men felt as Sulfi did. So when King Ordbjorn and King Arnvid set out their war arrows, a great host gathered. All men came by sea. Two hundred ships lay at anchor in the fjord, looking like strange swimming animals because of their high carved prows and bright paint. There were red and gold dragons, with long necks and curved tails. Seahorses reared out of the water. Green and gold snakes coiled up. Seahawks sat with spread wings, ready to fly, and among all these curved necks stood up the tall, straight masts with the long yard arms swinging across them, holding up the looped sails. 
when the starting horn blew and their sails were let down. It was like the spreading of hundreds of curious flags. Some were striped black and yellow or blue and gold. Some were white with a black raven or a brown bear embroidered on them or blue with a white seahawk or black with a gold sun. Some were edged with fur. As the wind filled the gaudy sails and the ships moved off, the men waved their hands to the women on shore and sang. To the sea, to the sea, the wind in our sail, the sea in our face, and the smell of the fight after ship meets ship. In the quarrel of swords, a King Harold shall lie in the caves under the sea, and Norsemen shall laugh. In the prow stood men leaning forward and sniffing the salt air with joy. Some were talking of King Harold. Yesterday he had a hard fight, they said. Today he will be lying still, dressing his wounds and mending his ships. We shall take him by surprise. They sailed near the coast. Solfi, in his seahawk, was ahead leading the way. Suddenly men saw his sail veer and his oars flash out. He had quickly turned his boat and was rowing back. He came close to King Arnvid and called, He is there, ahead. His boats are already in line of battle. The fox has not been asleep. King Arnvid blew his horn. Slowly his boats came into line with his sea stag in the middle. Again he blew his horn. Cables were thrown across from one prow to the next, and all the ships were tied together so that their sides touched. Then the men set their sails again, and they went past a tongue of land into a broad fjord. There lay the long line of Harold's ships, with their fierce heads grinning and mocking at the newcomers. Back of those prows was what looked like a long wall with spots of green and red and blue and yellow and shining gold. It was the locked shields of the men in the bows, and over every shield looked fierce blue eyes. Higher up and farther back was another wall of shields. For on the half-deck in the stern of every ship that stood the captain with his shield guard of a dozen men. Arnvid's people had furled up their sails and were taking down the masts, but the ships were still drifting with the wind. The horn blew, and quickly every man sprang to his place in bow and stern. All were leaning forward with clenched teeth and widespread nostrils. They were clutching their naked swords in their hands. Their flashing eyes looked over their shields. Soon King Arnvid's ships crashed into Harold's line, and immediately the men in the bows began to swing their swords at one another. The soldiers of the shield guard on the high decks began to throw darts and stones and to shoot arrows into the ships opposite them. So in every ship, showers of stones and arrows were falling, and many men died under them or got broken arms or legs. Spears were hurled from deck to deck, and many of them bit deep into the men's bodies. In every bow, men slashed with their swords at the foes in the opposite ship. Some jumped upon the gunwale to get nearer or hung from the prowhead. Some even leaped onto the enemy's boat. King Harold's ship lay prow to prow with King Arnvid's. The battle had been going on for an hour. King Harold was still in the stern on the deck. There was a dent in his helmet where a great stone had struck. There was a gash in his shoulder where a spear had cut but he was still fighting and laughed as he worked. Wolf meets wolf today, he said. But things are going badly in the prow, he cried. Ivar fallen, Thorstein wounded, a dozen men lying in the bottom of the boat. 
he leaped down from the deck and ran along the gunwale, shouting as he went, Harold and victory! So he came to the bow and stood swinging his sword as fast as he breathed. Every time it hit a man of Arnved's men, Harold's own warriors cheered, seeing him. Harold and victory, they shouted, and went to work again with good heart. Slowly, King Arnvid's men fell back before Harold's biting sword. Then Harold's men threw a great hook onto that boat and pulled it alongside and still pushed King Arnvid's people back. Come on, follow me, cried King Harold. Then he leapt into King Arnvid's boat and his warriors followed him. He comes like a mad wolf, King Arnvid's men said, and they turned and ran back below the deck. Then Arnvid himself leaped down and stood with his sword raised. Can this young shockhead make cowards of you all? he cried. But Harold's sword struck him, and he fell dead. Then a big, bloody Viking of King Arnvid leapt upon the edge of the ship and stood there. He held his drinking horn and sword high in his hands. Ran, and not you, shockhead, shall have them and me, he cried, and leaped laughing into the water, and was drowned. Many other warriors chose the same death on that terrible day. All along the line of boats, men fought for hours. In some places, the cables had been cut and the boats had drifted apart. Ships lay scattered about two by two. Many boats sank. Many men died. Some fled away in their ships. And at the end, King Harold had won the battle. So he had King Arnvid's country and King Audbjorn's country. Many men took the oath and became his friends. All people were talking of his wonderful battles. King Harold's Wedding It had taken Harold ten years to fight so many battles, and all that time he had not cut his hair or combed it. He was feasting one day at an earl's house, and many people were there. How is it, friends? Harold said. Have I kept my vow? His friends answered, you have kept your vow. There is no king but you in all Norway. Then I think I will cut my hair, the king laughed. So he went and bathed and put on fresh clothes. Then the earl cut his hair and beard and combed them and put a gold band about his head. Then he looked at him and said, It is beautiful, smooth and yellow. And all the people wondered at the beauty of the king's hair. I will give you a new name, the earl said. You shall no longer be called Shockhead. You will now be called Harold Hairfair. It is a good name, everybody cried. Then Harold said, But I have another thing to do now. Guthorm, you shall take the same message to Guider that you gave ten years ago. So Guthorm went and brought back this answer from Gida. I will marry the king of all Norway. So when the wedding time came, Harold rode across the country to the home of Gida's father, Eric. Many men followed him. They were all richly dressed in velvet and gold. For three nights they feasted at Eric's house. On the next night, Gida sat on the crossbench with her women. A long veil of white linen covered her face and head and hung down to the ground. After the mead horns had been brought in, Eric stood up from his high seat and went down and stood before King Harold. Will you marry Gida now? he asked. Harold jumped to his feet and laughed. Yes, he said, 
I have waited long enough. Then he stepped down from his high seat and stood by Eric. They walked about the hall. Before them walked thralls carrying candles, and behind them walked many of King Harold's great earls. Three times they walked around the hall. The third time they stopped before the crossbench. King Harold and Eric stepped upon the platform where the crossbench was. Eric gave a holy hammer to Harold, and it was like the hammer of Thor. Harold put it upon Gida's lap, saying, With this holy hammer of Thor's, I, Harold, king of Norway, take you, Gida, for my wife. Then he took a bunch of keys and tied it to Gida's girdle, saying, This is the sign that you are mistress of my house. After that, Eric called out loudly, Now are Harold, king of Norway, and Gida, daughter of Eric, man and wife. Then thralls brought meat and drink in golden dishes. They were about to serve it to Gida for the bride's feast, but Harold took the dish from them and said, No, I will serve my bride. So he knelt and held the platter. When he did that, his men shouted. Then they talked among themselves, saying, Surely Harold never knelt before. It is always other people who kneel to him. When the bride had tasted the food and touched the mead horn to her lips, she stood up and walked from the hall. All her women followed her, but the men stayed and feasted long. On the next morning at breakfast, Gida sat by Harold's side. Soon the king rose and said, Father-in-law, our horses stand ready in the yard. Work is waiting for me at home and on the sea. Lead out the bride. So Eric took Gida by the hand and led her out of the hall. Harold followed close. When they passed through the door, Eric said, With this hand I lead my daughter out of my house and give her to you, Harold, son of Halfdan, to be your wife. May all the gods make you happy. Harold led his bride to the horse and lifted her up and set her behind his saddle and said, Now this Gida is my wife. Then they drank the stirrup horn and rode off. Everything comes to King Harold, his men said. Wife and land and crown and victory and battle. He is a lucky man. King Harold goes west overseas. Now, many men hated King Harold. Many a man said, Why should he put himself up a king for all of us? He is no better than I am. Am I not a king's son as well as he? And are not many of us king's sons? I will not kneel before him and promise to be his man. I will not pay him taxes. I will not have his earl sitting over me. The good old days have gone. This Norway has become a prison. I will go away and find some other place. So hundreds of men sailed away. Some went to France and got land and lived there. Big Rolf Goerfoot and all his men sailed up the great French river and won a battle against the French king himself. There was no way to stop the flashing of his battle axes but to give him what he wanted. So the king made Rolf a duke, gave him broad lands and gave him the king's own daughter for wife. Rolf called this country Normandy, or Old Norway. He ruled it well and was a great lord, and his son's sons after him were kings of England. Other Norsemen went to Ireland and England and Scotland. They drew up their boats on the river banks. The people ran away before them and gathered into great armies that marched back to meet the Vikings in battle. 
Sometimes the Norsemen lost, but oftener they won, so that they got land and lived in those countries. Their houses sat in these strange lands like warriors' camps, and the Norsemen went among their new neighbours with hanging swords and spears in hand, ever ready for fight. There are many islands north of Scotland. They are called the Orkneys and the Shetlands. They have many good harbours for ships. They are little and rocky and bare of trees. Wild seabirds scream around them. On some of them, a man can stand in the middle and see the ocean all about him. Now the Vikings sailed to these islands and were pleased. It is like always being in a boat, they said. This shall be our home. So it went until all the lands round about were covered with Vikings. Norse carved and painted houses brightened the hillsides. Viking ships sailed all the seas and made harbour in every river. Norsemen's thralls ploughed the soil and planted crops and herded cattle and gold flowed into their master's treasure chests. Norse warriors walked up and down the land and no man dared to say them nay. These men did not forget Norway. In the summers they sailed back there and harried the coast. They took gold and grain and beautiful cloth back to their homes. In Norway they left burning houses and weeping women. Every summer King Harald had out his ships and men and hunted these Vikings. There were many little islands about Norway. They have crags and caves and deep woods. Here the Vikings hid when they saw King Harald's ships coming. But Harald ran his boat into every creek and fjord and hunted in every cave and through all the woods and among the crags. He caught many men, but most of them got away and went home laughing at Harald. Then they came back the next summer and did the same deeds over again. At last, King Harald said, There is but one thing to do. I must sail to these western islands and whip these robbers in their own homes. So he went with a great number of ships. He found as brave men as he had brought from Norway. These Vikings had brought their old courage to their new homes. King Harald's fine ships were scarred by Viking stones and scorched by Viking fire. The shields of Harald's warriors had dents from Viking blows. Many of those men carried Viking scars all their lives, and many of King Harald's warriors walked the long, hard road to Valhalla, and feasted there with some of these weary Vikings that had died in King Harald battles. But after many hard fights on land and sea, and after many men had died and many had fled away to other lands, King Harald won and he made the men that were yet on the islands take the oath, and he left his earls to rule over them. Then he went back to Norway. He has done more than he vowed to do, people said. He has not only whipped the Vikings, but has got a new kingdom west overseas. Then they talked of that dream his mother had. King Harald was the great tree, they said. The trunk was red with the blood of his many battles, but higher up in the limbs were fair and green like this good time of peace. The topmost branches were white because Harald will live to be an old man, just as that tree spread out until all Norway was in its shade, and even more lands. So Harald is king of all this country and of the western islands. The many branches of that tree are the many sons of Harald, who shall be earls and kings in Norway, and their sons after them, for hundreds of years. The end of part two.
Good night.